Welcome to the Every Day is Saturday podcast. The number one motivation show on the planet. No more Mondays for you. It's time to make every day Saturday. Boom! This is the podcast where we help you to accept who you are, not where you are. On the roller coaster of life, you know we only sit in the front seat champion. So make sure you are fastened in. Let's go. Tired of feeling run down all the time during the week? We can help you make every day feel like it's a Saturday. Let's go pack your bags. It's time to leave Averageville. Introducing the man who thinks abnormal stands for above normal. When you're on fire, people will travel from miles around to watch you burn, baby. We are fired up. The host of the Every Day is Saturday show, Sam Crowley. All right, welcome back to the Everyday Saturday Podcast. Got an amazing guest today, Julie Chanel. Julie, uh, I want to give her the proper introduction. We are going to have a lot of fun on today's show because her story is amazing. Uh, We want to talk about adversity. We want to talk about overcoming obstacles. Julie may have one or two stories to share with us, I'm guessing. Julie, welcome to the Everyday Saturday Podcast. Great to have you. Sam, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and to talk. Yeah, adversity. It's such a fun thing to talk about in hindsight. <laughs> in, yeah, looking back. Now, I didn't give her nearly the proper introduction. She, she's a uh, digital marketing expert, a coach, built a multi-million dollar brand. And I want to make sure I got this right. All right. In the middle of a divorce while pregnant. Is that true? It is. Yes. I've got but, I mean, I want to say the multi-millions didn't happen right in the divorce and pregnant. But yes, that's when I began my brand. And within three years, it was that. Yes. All right. I've got questions, Julie. Sure. I've got questions. <laughs> I mean, I, there's no way I could throw that out there and not follow up with questions. Wow. Um, and I think I saw you, and I didn't even mention this either, but I was in Russell Brunson's 30-day and I'm, I, yes. I, know, I know I'm going to butcher this, the 30-day boot camp, or what was it called at the time? He said a big it book. Called, it was called the One Funnel Away Challenge. Yes. And I've, yes. I've been a ClickFunnels customer for forever. I love it. I follow Russell on social media, love him. And I saw you. You were, yes. you were one of the experts. What were you doing at that time with ClickFunnels? Yeah, I was teaching. So the story, as the story goes, I was in the blogging world as a mom, stay-at-home mom, three kids, and I was, you know, depressed and stressed out, three kids, three and under. And so I, I took to the internet to write. It started in 2007. For five years, I just wrote in, in, in a vacuum. I did amass a, a small audience, but this is really where I learned to write. And in 2012, I thought, okay, my kids are going to school. Now I need to do something. And I thought, I'm going to become a writer and I'm going to get paid to write. And I went on a text broker and uh, even Mechanical Turk or whatever that thing was called, Odesk at the time. And I was getting paid like $5 to write these lined, numbing SEO articles that like I hated. (laughs) And so I found this community on Facebook and I was still writing my blog and they kept saying to me, Julie, your blog looks cool. Like, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm on WordPress. And oh, how'd you get your header that way? And I was like, oh, it's easy. You know, just pick monkey. And I started teaching people how to design blogs. That transitioned into a web design business because I realized that I was going to lose my soul if I had to write too many more SEO articles. I became a web designer. Everything was hunky-dory until it wasn't. I was making I don't know, maybe $2,000 a month, and my whole life fell apart. I ended up divorced, 
four weeks after I found out that, I mean, four weeks after filing for divorce, I found out I was pregnant. So I was like, plot twist. And so I had, I had to make money quickly. And so I said, all right, I'm good at tech. I'm good at writing, decent at design. And that's when I kind of discovered the world of sales funnels, Russell Brunson. And instead of charging $1,000 for a website, I could charge $5,000 for a sales funnel. And so I did that for a couple of years and I was really good at it. And I got some notoriety as a sales funnel builder. And that's when I got the attention of Russell Brunson. And I had made my first million dollars in sales funnels between helping other people do it and doing it for myself. And Russell was like, what do I got to do to get you in my world? That's where you met me at One Funnel Away. I was an instructor over there. And I was with them for about 18 months before I left to continue building my own empire, which right now um, includes Funnel Gorgeous, which is um, a marketing software education company all around sales funnels and great design. And so that's kind of the short story of how I got where I am. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, and we want to make sure that uh, at the end of the podcast, we give everybody an opportunity to connect with you. So many people listen to this podcast, Julie, um, they don't know where to start, you know? So I want to kind of walk you through a simulation. Okay. So I'm Sam Crowley. I live in, you know, Cincinnati, Ohio. I just quit my job. I got 50 grand in my 401k and I got about a six month runway before I run out of savings. I don't want to go back to my job. You make that sound easy. I know it wasn't easy. Nobody with a, a brain would ever think that what you did was easy. But if you were to walk me through just kind of a simulation, I'm scared out of my mind. Yeah. I'm not an ex Julie, I'm not an expert, okay? I am not a quote-unquote expert. Nobody would ever pay me $5,000 for my intellectual property. I just do what I do. It comes easy to me. Help, help me. What? Where do I even start on day one after I quit my job? What would you suggest somebody starts doing, whether it's mindset, learning? Where do you go in the in that first day and the like first 30 days? Yeah, that's a great question. So number one, chances are you do have monetizable expertise. You don't realize that you have it. And that's because the things that come easy to us, the things that we do with our eyes closed, we think are normal. It's like, I think it's normal to have a right hand, but to someone who doesn't have a right hand, mm. it's, 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 a, it's a magic superpower. And so the first thing that I think anyone should do is they should sit down with other people. And I actually have a set of 10 questions that I'd ask people to help start to figure out what, what do you really offer the world? Because the world is filled with problems. You have solutions to problems that other people don't have. And it is monetizable, but you need to believe it and see it and understand it for yourself first. So that's sort of a, a process that can take anywhere from one coffee conversation with a good friend up to, you know, a month sometimes. Mm -hmm. It is faster if you have an expert helping you. The second thing that you need to do, once you understand and believe that you do have some expertise somewhere that is monetizable, is you need to create money as quickly as possible. Yes, yes. And the way to do that is with a small audience and a premium offer. A lot of people think, well, I'm not sure. Maybe I should just sell something that's 20 bucks and see if somebody will buy it. No, 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 no. It's going to take a massive audience and it's going to take so much energy and time and money 
to sell that $20 product. However, I guarantee that within your network, within your Gmail contact list, within your you know community, within your sphere of influence, there are people that would pay you for advice, coaching, through consulting, or through done-for-you services. So I recommend that people start either as a coach or a consultant or as a done-for-you service provider and to find an offer that you can charge anywhere from $500 to $3,000 for your service, your expertise. And then we set out to build that offer. Once you have that offer, we're going to do a little bit of good old-fashioned feet to the pavement, um, prospecting. We're going to go to your network. We're going to go to people that love you and know you. We're going to go to your first social circle, and we're going to see if we can find three to five customers that are willing to pay you whatever it is that you're charging so that you can start to get those testimonials. We're not going to do work for free because remember, in step one, we understand that we do have expertise that is monetizable. Anyone who's been in the workforce for any number of years, you have it, you just don't see it yet. So those are the first three steps. And I think that most people can get a paying customer within six weeks or so. There is some tech. I do recommend if you have some disposable income that you hire a coach, you are going to collapse that learning time. Last thing I'll say about this, my sister, Nicole, she came to me in 2018, 2019. She didn't even have a Facebook account. Okay. Did not even know how to get on Facebook. Um, and I told her that within 18 months, she would be a six-figure coach. She did not believe me. Um, and those first three months were brutal. But sure enough, within 18 months, uh, she is making a nice, solid six figures as a leadership coach. Um, and she did exactly those first three steps that I'm telling you now. Awesome. Um I love all of that. I love all of that. Um, again, you make it sound so simple. You've done this before, Julie. You, I can tell you've done this before. So I love the uh, the example of your sister because that's leadership. So I'm, everybody talks about leadership, Julie. It, it's it's already been it's already been done before. I, I don't have the I don't have the chop for that. I'm curious the advice you gave your sister because that had to have come up. Like I'm not the first leadership coach out there. How do I distinguish myself? from everybody else out there to even allow me to charge anything. Yeah, you need what, what I call a carrot. Okay, so the biggest way that you can make money is if people can easily refer you or if they can call you to mind when they hear somebody talking about something. So yeah, leadership's been done 8 million ways till Tuesday. So we had to find a carrot, something that people would be like, oh, Nicole, and so for her, that was her obsession with the Enneagram, which is a personality assessment. And so I said, let's start, let's use the carrot as the Enneagram. And then that way, when someone said, hey, have you heard of the Enneagram? Or, hey, I want to know what my number is, they would say, Nicole. So the first step is to get a carrot. And the second step, really important, absolutely necessary, is to find a network where you can become known as that person. Mm. Oh, I have another client, right? And she is looking for her carrot right now. She's in our community. She's a finance expert. There's a bajillion of them. But you know what happens is whenever someone says, you know, I really need to figure out my estate. I'm going to will. Like, I just realized I don't have a will. They think, Portia, 
even though that's a, like a fraction of what she does, yeah. it is she gets called to mind. And that's really important. You need a carrot and you need a community in which you're the king of that carrot. The carrot. I've never heard of the carrot. I've never heard of the carrot. Yeah. Love- Trojan horse. I don't know. You could, you could use all kinds of analogies there. No, but the visual is so perfect. You need the carrot out there. Um, you know, people, when they think of me, you know, of everything I do, they podcast. Just this is this guy that's been screaming into his cell phone in his car in a Dunkin' Donuts parking lot, which is, by the way, how I podcast when I'm not on a video here from my car in a Dunkin' Donuts parking lot. So I think podcast, Sam Crowley. It totally, it totally makes sense. Now, I imagine a lot of the individuals you work with probably don't have huge social media followings. You know, they probably don't have, you know, 30,000 followers on Instagram or a big Facebook group. That seems to be kind of a bugaboo there, Julie, where people get caught up in, well, I'm I'm a nobody out there. I mean, I don't even post on social media. How do I even get any momentum there? How would I even get noticed in all the noise? Well, there is a lot of noise. There's no question about it. I would recommend that you pick one platform that you're willing to commit to. Now, obviously, in our time period right now, spring in 2023, the whole internet blew up with the release of chat GPT yeah. and artificial intelligence and all this kind of stuff. The sort of good bad news here is that people, good news, people want to connect with people, right? So they're still looking for emotional connection. Bad news is the thing that's actually going to make you stand out is probably the things you don't like about yourself. So it's your imperfections that actually create memorability, right? Nobody likes a character that has no imperfections. And AI is producing all of this, you know, mock perfect content, right? But people remember me because I was the hot mess who got divorced twice and got pregnant four weeks after getting divorced. I mean, I I should not be coaching anybody on how to have a good love life because it is a freaking train wreck. But they remember, oh yeah, she's a really good business person. She really knows sales funnels. She knows what she's doing. And yeah, she has some crazy Jerry Springer story, right? I don't like it about myself. Like I feel like I'm a hot mess express coming in hot, but people remember me. And then in a weird way, they trust me because I'm not trying to pretend that I've got it all figured out. And that's really the essence of building a brand, especially in the age of AI when everything is going to be over curated, over perfect, um, with no realness, which is what people really create anyway. Man, that's so good. That is so good. The authenticity. I hear the word authenticity when you say that because a lot of people want to hide that. You know, a lot of people want to hide their imperfections. They do. Or or authenticity becomes trendy and they think that means like, you know, a vulnerable share. The way you know you're being authentic is because you don't want to rewatch it later. <laughs> you're like, that was uncomfortable to share and to say but that's usually the very thing that the people want to hear. If you can, if you can tout around your vulnerability and be like, oh yeah, look at me being all vulnerable, chances are you're not being vulnerable. It's fake authenticity at that point. Exactly. Exactly. Like you're putting a little bit too much out there, you know, and it's not, yeah, I get it. And you don't want to watch it back. I like that even better. If I, if I really wanted to watch back my stuff, DV, yeah, that makes sense. And you would know that that's not coming from a real spot. Uh, Cause I don't a lot of the times either. So that is, um, when you think about everything that you just talked about and I think, all right, I'm with you, Julie, you got me. I'm almost there, but I don't want my friends and family to know what I'm doing. I just, 
I don't want the criticism, man. I just, I just can't, I don't want that. What's the mindset behind that? Because once you put yourself out there, Aunt Edna and your brother-in-law and people in your family who are going to laugh, mock, and ridicule you are all going to see your content out there and be like, what? Julie, you are not a marketing expert. You're a hot mess. Is this the same Julie Chanel that I know? What's she putting herself out there for? How do you deal with that in your mind when you're getting that criticism from really your inner circle? I mean, Jesus said a prophet is not honored in his own town, right? So like if Jesus isn't getting out of it, you sure as hell aren't getting out of it either, right? Like nobody is going, yeah, I, I know, welcome. There's your first, your first mission, if you choose to accept it, is to handle the ridicule of friends and family. I mean, yeah, there are ways that you can get around it or way you can like, you know, start a TikTok account and you know all and then blah, TikTok and you'll be, you'll be all good. But the truth is that at some point you're going to have to face this and you're going to have to face what people are going to say, what people are going to do. And a lot of that is fear based scenarios that don't actually come to pass because more and more people understand the gig economy. More and more people are starting to recognize that there are a lot, there are lots of ways to work. Um, I think if you have a, a strong elevator pitch, you have a strong belief, you have a strong goal in mind, yeah, you're going to get jokes and teasing. But you know what? Your friends and your family, they may actually be your first evangelists. But you're never going to find that out if you don't take the step forward. I, I you know, I got to be honest, like my kids are teenagers. They watch me on social, social media and they're just like, well, oh, God. You, are, you know, like everybody loves you. You're such a pain. Like. And, you know, I deal with it constantly from my kids, right? And my mom, she'll type to me. She'll be like, Julie, did you really have to say that that way? Because, you know, I really think, you know, and you just have to sort of get a one-inch square piece of paper, write the names of the people that you are going to get feedback from on that one-inch piece of paper. Shouldn't be bigger than an inch, otherwise it's too many people. And everyone else, you just nod and say thanks for your feedback. Boy, that comes up a lot. When I thought I had Hal Elrod from the Miracle Morning on the previous podcast, and he was talking about Brenda Bouchard says, you need a maintenance friend list and you need your inner circle friend. And the maintenance friends are Christmas and Thanksgiving, send a text, LOL, you know, how's things going? But the real inner circle, you are very, uh, stand guard at the entrance of your mind. You know what I mean? And you, those, the only people you allow in. Yeah. And it shrinks. The more popular you get, the circle shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. Yeah. And as the father of four daughters, I can totally resonate with embarrassing your children uh, by being on social media. So I have a 22-year-old, an 18-year-old, a 17-year-old. The eight-year-old still thinks I'm cool uh, and listens you know, to a podcast or sees me on video. That's my daddy. That's a... The other ones, yeah, not so much. Yeah, my kids are are seven, fifteen, seventeen, and nineteen. So I have a similar yeah. spread of boys, two girls, and the seven year old thinks I hung the mood, and the three, the rest of them don't want anything to do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I get, I totally get it, man. I get it. So here's a, I had a client once. This was many years ago, um, and I'm going to bring this story up because of what you shared so far. So great lady, um, she was, uh, well, let's just say she was in uh, her late forties when I was working with her and she had just found out that her husband had an affair with the neighbor uh, and they were good friends and it crushed her, absolutely crushed her. And she told me, Sam, it was like I was laying in bed and I was staring up the ceiling fan and it was 12 noon and I'm a go-getter and I get out of bed and up and at him in the morning. I mean, I got two kids. I'd never waste a minute of my day. I couldn't get out of bed. It felt like my 
my legs were telephone poles. That's how much I just could not move. And I, the goal for me on day one, after I just got hit with that cinder block was to just get up and get going and get some kind of momentum. So, you know, we launched the podcast and we, she, she found her voice, super inspiring lady. I mean, just an absolute awesome individual. I'm curious going back to your days of what it was like mindset wise of how you possibly could get up, get moving. I know the purpose was probably there because you have mouths to feed. You maybe, maybe the answer is I'm gonna let you answer. Maybe the answer is I didn't have a choice, but how do you get into the mindset after going through the storm like that to get back up and say, I gotta, I gotta do something. I mean, that, that just takes an incredible amount of commitment. I mean, wow. What was going on at that time in your mind? Well, I got to do it twice. So the first time I had no choice, and the second time was a little bit harder. The first time that I got divorced in 2014, I had no choice. I needed my children in my house with me. I had been just a stay-at-home mom and this side side gig web designer, and everything was fueled by this adrenaline of like, what do I have to do to have a stable home so I can take care of my kids? And it took me, I counted, 547 days to do it, right? It was like, that's how long it took me before I felt like I could have my kids, I could get them home, the whole thing. And so in that in that scenario, I used just dr- adrenaline. That's what I used. When I got divorced, which is very recent in 2022, um, from, from my second husband, it was a very hard ending. I had the telephone pole experience, not because of infidelity, just because yep. I just couldn't, I couldn't get out of bed. I learned that a bad day is still only 24 hours, that every single feeling, no matter how painful, does eventually fade. So what I learned was that my resistance to feel actually made it longer. And then if I felt a wave of grief or pain or sadness, the very best thing I could do was actually just to sit in it and let it ride like a weight, like a contraction. If you're in labor and then listening to this podcast, like there's no sense in fighting it. You might as well just let it because it will abate. Yeah. Um, the next thing I did was I got a little pad of paper, you know, like the ones the police officers put in their, <laughs> their yeah. pocket yeah. Flip it for like 50 cents at the gas station. Yeah. Every day you just write three things that you're going to do. Now it has to be, you have to think about this. For some people, it might be eat breakfast, get dressed, walk the dog, right? It might just be those three things. And now you get to say you checked off those three things. The three things for me were keep my kids alive. That was number one. They didn't even have to be doing well. They just had to be alive. Mm-hmm. That was the goal. Number two was I had to talk to my one-on-one clients because those were my bread and butter. Those are the people that have committed to me. I've committed to them. So I needed to get up and I needed to have conversations with them. And then number three is I had to create one piece of content for my other business, Funnel Gorgeous. A lot fell by the wayside. I like a lot of things that I like I couldn't even mention here, but I did those three things and I let myself have my feelings. And I would say within two to four weeks, I was able to to get up and work every day after that divorce, you know, falling out. And within three months, I was having a bad day maybe once every two weeks or every three weeks, but otherwise I was back in momentum. So that's that's my best advice. Wow, that's awesome. And congratulations. I mean, that's pretty incredible uh, to be able to do all that. I think, um, you know, your thoughts about the word comfort zone, I guess that's two words, but the thought about some people, at least it's my perception, 
they don't succeed because they're just too comfortable. What you described was, this must happen. There's no other option. Do you find that in your travel, speaking with entrepreneurs, that some of the re- some of the times they may not have the success they want is because they're just too comfortable? Maybe they do have that big nest egg to fall back on. Well, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I gave it a shot, you know? Yeah, there. I mean, there is something to be said for burning, burning the ships, burning the bridges, or whatever, whatever that saying goes. Where when when you are forced with no other option, you become you realize just how resourceful you are. I I say that with a little bit of hesitation, just because I don't want people being like, "All right, I'm gonna quit my yeah. job today. I've got no nest egg, and no, you know, no plan." Right. Is I've seen people do that, and that that can sometimes also be a disaster. I would say that the thing that matters most is that you have a mission that's a little bit stronger than money because that will motivate you more because a lot of us we we're not good at like advocating for ourselves yeah but we'll like advocate for other people right or we'll advocate for other causes so when you're when you're thinking about a project even if you have an essay you need a mission that's bigger than just oh i'm gonna get rich because that will keep you moving and that will keep you in the face of the invariable obstacles that are going to come along. Yeah. I mean, you've made multiple millions of dollars. Are you a different person than when you were making millions of dollars? I mean, money changes you. I've tried to stay as much myself as possible, but money does change you. There's no, there's no doubt about it. I will say money also exacerbates problems you already have. Very rarely does it make things easier. In fact, I just did a post just the other day about like, crappy lessons that money taught me that I really didn't want to learn. And, um, and that is one of them, you know, people who think money is going to solve all your problems, guarantee it's just going to make them bigger. It's not going to make them smaller. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that's the old adage that the person it's a, it's a hard issue. I mean, if you're a good person and you come into a lot of money and you've earned it, you work hard, then you, you know, you're able to be philanthropic, give that away. If you're a bad person, it just brings out more of that individual who you were before you got the money, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I realized that my fear of loss and my fear of scarcity and needing security didn't go away the more money I made. In fact, it made me now scared of losing it, right? So I went from, oh, I'm scared I don't have enough to, oh, I'm scared I'm going to lose it, right? And I just traded one fear for another. So I was like, well, I maybe have to deal with that fear uh, because that fear isn't going to go away no matter how much. And I I, I will say that I have conquered that fear in many ways because and this is this is a hard tale to tell um i had you know in 2014 when i got divorced and i didn't have any money i made multi-millions of dollars and one of the reasons that i stayed in the relationship i was in for so long was because i was so scared of what that money loss was going to look like and in my second divorce which was you know it's really bad relationship was it wasn't great relationship I had to come face to face with losing half of all that I had earned. And I will never forget. And I I had a check. I have this little Encanto backpack I wear because like I'm really six, even though I'm 42 and I love Disney. And so this is my purse. And I had to go to the bank and I had to go get a check for basically $478,000. And I had this check in my Encanto backpack and I had to hand it to someone this was all, this was money that I had earned and I had to hand it off and say, here you go. And I had to, I had to sit with that feeling of like all this money and all this energy I had earned to try to make stability. Now I was having to hand half of it over. And that wasn't even, that what really wasn't even half of it. 
and I I handed it over and then I kind of crumbled on the porch crying and then I stopped crying and I thought well there it is my worst nightmare face to face with it the very thing I feared losing I lose now I have to just get back up and get to work and now I'm not afraid anymore. Like, man, that's so it's good. That's so good. You have to learn it that way, but I'm not afraid anymore. It's the whole thing goes to pop. Like I'll figure it out. I just proved I did it. So I don't have to fear it anymore. That's so good. Julie. I appreciate you opening up too. I mean, those aren't easy stories to share, you know, that's tough to talk about. Well, it is, I mean, 50% of people listening to this podcast are either going to go through a divorce have been through a divorce or are divorcing now. So one and two. Yeah. Wow. I mean, having the blueprint to be able to get back at it. So that's very powerful. There's again, I mean, there's so much wisdom coming out of what you're talking about because people, people ask the question, would you rather have $10 million or a blueprint for $10 million? It sounds like you've got the blueprint and your fear has subsided substantially because you know, you'll get it back some way, somehow you'll get it back. Yeah, well, it's, it, the, the scariest bet we make is on ourselves. A lot of us don't know how to bet on ourselves, and I didn't know how to bet on myself. And it unfortunately meant losing and fearing and having that experience to realize, oh, okay, I can actually bet on myself. We are so much stronger than we give ourselves credit for. I love it. I love it. Who's had the biggest impact on you from an entrepreneurial perspective, whether it's a book you read, a person you worked with? Is there somebody that comes to mind, one or two individuals that say, wow, they really, they've had the biggest impact on me and my mindset or my journey? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you would think I could name all these big, big players and people, you know, obviously you mentioned Russell Brunson at the beginning. He has clearly had a significant impact on my life in, in terms of understanding marketing, but it was little moments that had massive shifts for me. So I remember... I had found a Facebook group by um, her name, Kimra Luna, and she had this blue hair and she was popular in 20, whatever, 2015. She had launched this course called Be True Brand You. I didn't even buy her course, but I watched a free workshop on how to run a Facebook ad. And I will like, I will never forget it as long as I like, because it was like the whole light bulb went on on how I could generate traffic. And I remember watching that and that was such a significant turning point for me because I had all of a sudden it was like level unlocked. Like now I could actually go run my own Facebook ad and that shifted so much for me. I will be forever grateful to that free webinar that I watched because I think it had a lot to do with me going from, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to lose my mind writing $5 SEO articles and, oh wait, there's another way. Yeah. That's amazing. Same thing happened to me. I was at a live event back in 05 and somebody mentioned the word podcast. I had never heard that word before. Um, like yeah. we, we talked about, the iPhone wasn't out and it was the combination between the iPod, which was, you know, that device back in the day that we all used and the word broadcast. So they combined the terms, made it podcast. I was like, wow, that sounds pretty cool. And that was it. You know, just a nothing, nothing phrase thrown out there at a live event. I don't think anybody thought much of it. I latched onto it and here we are 18 years later, you know, doing a video podcast, you know, it's crazy if you're present in that. Well, yeah, it is, you know, and, but you have to be like, I said the word present, that probably gets overused a lot as well, you know, be present in the moment. But I think people that are seekers and you're open and you really want to move forward, I think the message hits you at the right time. You know what I mean? 
Well, and I think even this even this podcast episode right now that's going to go live, people are going to listen to it. There, There is a, a moment in time, probably for you when you've heard the word podcast, for me when I watched that Facebook ad training, where there is a like a switch, a, uh, an aha, a burst of inspiration, a what if in the, in the positive, not in the negative, that happens. And I think the, the difference between people who follow that nudge and don't is really where it's at. Because if that nudge is happening and you follow it, you could have the same story where it's like, oh, I listened to that podcast episode and now everything is different. Um, and it's just about listening to that nudge instead of being like, ah, uh, no, it's not going to work anyway, or ah, uh, no, I'm not qualified, or or whatever the stuff is that we tell ourselves. Exactly right. Exactly. I mean, you started with blogging. You know, I mean, that's a commitment. How, how did you blog every day? I didn't blog every day, but I did blog a lot. In fact, I got I really got into the writer's world. I did that nano where you write a novel in 30 days. I did a challenge where I I committed to writing 5,000 words a day for 30 days. And I, I really practiced my voice in those years, but I had no idea what I was practicing for. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I just told funny stories about my kids getting into trouble and, you know, and I had this little tiny following, but it was enough for me to just keep going. And I encourage people to use their voice and document their process. Don't be afraid to say, hey, I'm going to try this thing and it might fail. Uh, because you'll learn something about your voice and about the people who are following you, even in just documenting the process and the journey that you're on. I love it. I love it. And weren't you on Rachel Ray for some blogging thing? What's the story with the Rachel Ray show? I know. It's so funny. So this is just what happens when you publish. So I had published a tweet. Just the tweet. Just the tweet. 140 characters at the time. Yeah, uh, at the time, right? And I had found on Pinterest the brownie in a mug, the 30-second brownie in a mug, and I was so salty because it was not what they made it look like. And I posted this snarky remark on Twitter about how, trying to make the brownie in the mug. Um, and I was a blogger at the time, and the Rachel Ray Show contacted me and said, do you want to come on the show? And Rachel will show you how to actually make the brownie in the mug. And I was like, sure, why not? You know, and I ended up... but. This is how I got, I, w- I was on BBC World Time Your Say. I was on Anderson Live. I was on um, Dr. Drew. I was on New York. I was interviewed by the New York Times just because I thought something and then I wrote something and I'm just committed to that consistency. Um, even though like I broke every branding influencer content role in the book. Yeah. But one that I didn't break was I didn't stop showing up. And I just stopped consistently publishing. And that's really the secret more than, you know, the quality or getting your elevator pitch perfect or or anything like that. Boy, that's so awesome. I mean, when I coach podcasting students a lot, it's like, hey, how how long till I make money or how how many downloads am I going to get this first few months and things like that? I say, how much of a commitment are you, are you going to show up every day? You talked about finding your voice. I mean, that just ping, right in my mind. I mean- you have to find your voice. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's funny. I've been in I've been in a little bit of a dark night of the soul the past couple of months. And so I found that in a couple a couple of years ago, I was a little bit more spicy and I was a little bit more feisty. And as I've gotten a bigger audience, I've gotten more haters, which then makes me kind of like shrink back a little. Yeah. And so I've been in kind of a 
I don't know, just like in a phone because I've got, you know, the, just my life is always a hot mess. You can just assume that she's successful in business, but her personal life's a mess. Okay, fine. So I was almost not going to publish because I was like, ah, it might be too spicy. It might be too snarky. It might be too negative. And I, I did it anyway. And I got so much more engagement, not because of the content, but I think just because it was my raw unfiltered voice. And I have been getting too much like curated, like this is what I think the algorithm wants versus like, all right, you guys, this is actually what I want to talk about. And it never fails. Honesty in your voice always performs better than what you think you should publish. And and amen to all of that. You know, um, we all worry about the keyboard cowboys out there because when you start when you start getting a little bit more of a following, it's just a numbers game. You're going to get people who, for whatever reason, I mean, I'll, I'll do a YouTube short on the power of faith, and I'll have somebody just put me on blast mode. I'm like, dude, I'm. This was just a positive 60 second video. Where did you find the negativity about that? But then I just minimize, move. I don't even block it. I just like, nah, that's interesting. Just move on, you know? There are a lot of people, and I remember interviewing an influencer, and she said, I don't even, I don't even read my comments anymore. And I was like, how, why? And she's like, uh, because, like, it would take me out. And I was like, ooh, I don't want to get to that point. But I, I did. And I have people, you know, at, at, I've gotten, to the point now where those keyboard cowboys and those trolls, they make me laugh and I don't really pay any attention, but there are some people that, you know, their goal, their whole goal and aim is to take you out. And I've had, I've been put on blast multiple times by influencers where I wake up on a Saturday morning and I look at my phone and it is just exploded. Are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, just, I remember talking to Kevin David. I don't know if you know Kevin David, the yeah. Facebook app. And he, he was on my podcast a few years ago. And I go, dude, there's YouTube videos with your name in the title designed just about you calling you a scammer. I go, what? I go, how do you even deal? He goes, oh, man, once you hit a million subscribers, that just comes with the territory. Next question. I mean, it wasn't, he didn't even give it any energy. I'm like, oh. No, yeah. I mean, it's just... Like right now, I am in a lawsuit right now. Um, and it is, it is, I mean, if I gave you the details, like it's like Jerry Springer episode four, right? And it's because someone is out to decide that like they want to annihilate me for whatever reason. And I've, I just found a, a, a great blog post um, from Tim Ferriss reasons that you don't want to become famous. And he talks about, you know, stalking, kidnapping, extortion civil lawsuits, you know, just, and he just like makes the case for why one change is certain. Not to scare anybody. Yeah, right. right. He can join this club, right, of people. And I'm making light of it because at some point you'll realize that the number of people who've been canceled are more than the cancelers. And then you're like, ah, all right. And it sort of kind of takes some of the power away from it because you're like, you're only canceled if you decide to be canceled because they canceled you. Otherwise... It's literally just noise. Yeah. I mean, that's all it is. It really is. And it can be very difficult to navigate in your mind. Uh, you know, I think the more of it you get, probably the more impervious you are to it. Because you need some experience with that. It's a chicken or the egg thing, you know? I don't want it. Well, you have to have it in order to know how to deal with it, you know? Yeah. Well, and I, I think about, like, the people in my world or the the, the people we see uh, online or even, like, super famous people, you know, presidents or... Ellen DeGeneres or 
like you know big celebrities and like if they have millions of haters i think i'm gonna be okay yeah i think i'll be all right i think i'll be all right and again not to scare anybody away from going for your dream and making a lot of money and everything like that but you do have to be honest with people and let them know and also prepare them i think this that's a great preparation tool is to say look careful what you wish for but when you do get there this is how you deal with it i mean that's pretty simple um hey can we talk about funnel gorgeous as well as your coaching as well what's the difference between the two is is funnel gorgeous separate from julie chanel the coach and how so yeah so funnel gorgeous was the birth uh it was like it was a company birthed accidentally because i'm a copywriter and i'm a tech person and then my client at the time her name is kathy she has this amazing rainbow purple hair she's a graphic designer and we joined joined forces to launch a course on how to blend sales copy direct response marketing and high-end design together because when we launched in 2018 it was like ugly funnels kind of ruled the internet and we were like you know they don't have to be ugly they can actually look good like and so we launched a course it was called funnel gorgeous and that blew up into an entire company so we do education we have software training we are specifically for people who want to get into the online space who are intimidated by tech They have heart-led or mission-led businesses. They want to understand marketing. They want to do it well. They want to do it ethically. They want to have a great brand that they feel really proud of. Funnel Gorgeous is is that company, and I'm obviously the lead instructor over there. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have lots of amazing free content, paid content, and all that sort of stuff. Julie Chanel, the brand, um, is simply I'm just a consultant. And I help businesses, usually businesses that are already making six to seven figures. I help them optimize their marketing, their offer suite, um, their customer journey, their sales follows. People work directly with me to try to, you know, grow and scale beyond, you know, whatever, 250, 500,000, a million and to get to that next point. So I have a private mastermind where I work with clients one-on-one and that's under the Julie Chanel brand. Uh, What are your thoughts on the power of a mastermind? Well, I, it is an amazing, amazing product that you can offer the world. It's also a ton of work. I started my mastermind in 2017, so it's in its sixth year. And it's really a hybrid of coaching and community. So I bring together businesses that are making, you know, somewhere in that 250 to 500,000 range. Um, we do, we meet twice a year, once a week, spring and fall tons of collaborations, networking opportunities, all of that amazing stuff. And then they also get access to me and my team. I help them optimize their funnels. I look at their funnels. I give reviews. I help them with scaling. I help them with copywriting. Um, And it's an absolutely amazing way to get really good at building relationships and learning a skill. So I have about 85 members in that mastermind now. And um, I have actually five or six members that are on year six. So they have been with me now for five years, five years running. It's really fun to see them grow and, and, and scale. That's a powerful testimony to have people renewing, you know, year after year after year. Yeah. I mean, it's an incredibly valuable group on so many, on so many levels. It would take a whole podcast to talk about, but yeah. 
So I, I, I'd like to ask this question. We'll be wrapping it up soon here, but I'd like to ask this question. What's an average week hours wise that you put into your businesses? Because some people have the perception, you said Tim Ferriss, four hour work week. I want to be, I want to be the digital nomad and work four hours a week. Other people I talk to are working a hundred hours a week, but they absolutely love it. So I'm kind of curious where you stand in there. Uh, an average week for Julie Chanel, how many hours do you dedicate to your businesses? Yeah, never ever has it been four. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Um, I so I would say, I mean, obviously I have four children. Um, so I have a lot of responsibilities. I'm going to start by saying that I have a lot of help. I have a full-time house manager and a full-time personal uh an executive assistant. So I have two full-time people whose only job is to keep me moving. Yep. So I don't want to like send some message here that I'm superwoman. Um I usually start work around 8 a.m. And I would say that the hours of 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. are my most sacred time. This is where I'm creating content, writing courses, working with clients. I usually take a break. I try not to eat lunch at my desk or late breakfast at around 11. And then from 12 to 3 is usually stacked with meetings, podcast interviews, all administrative stuff at 3 o'clock. I try to wrap up in my office. I go get my kids. Um, I still do work sometimes in the evenings, mm -hmm. you know, puttering around on social media, writing blog posts, things that, you know, I want to do while I'm, you know, watching TV or what have you. But I try not to work on the weekends and I'm try I try to go on vacation a couple times a year. So it's a full time it's a full time schedule, but it's flexible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't even ask this question before. Did you ever have a job, a a like a real job that we all think about where you go in before you became this ultra entrepreneur? So I did. I mean, I was always doing gig stuff when I was a young mom. I was a piano teacher. I was a youth group leader. I was oh, wow. a worship director. I did a lot of stuff in like my church and, and things like that. When I got divorced in 2014 and I got pregnant, I did go work full time at a college for nine months to get health insurance. Oh, okay. I needed to, I needed to have a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Inconvenience there. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I did work full-time at a university doing marketing. I would come home, I would take a nap and then I'd start moonlighting. That was um, a year I never, ever, ever want to repeat. Um, and then I quit. I went on maternity leave and I quit um, at the end of my maternity leave and I never went back. I did become an employee of ClickFunnels in 2018 Oh, uh, for 18 months, but it was on the stipulation that I could keep my million dollar business on the side and he was okay with that. So I, that was another year that I probably don't want to repeat working basically 5am to 11am in my business and 11 to seven on mountain time for ClickFunnels. I was about a year of working 12 hour days. Wow. So, that's wild, man. That is just such a great, I love this interview. I love it. I love everything about it. Just your ability to stay in the game and then just absolutely crush it. And the value that you're giving back, Julie, I mean, giving people an opportunity to really, you know, take advantage of this intellectual property they have, this service they have, understand what that gift is and help them go on and, and make millions as well. Um, it's funny, the Russell Brunson story, my claim to fame I guess one of them is Russell Brunson actually bought my product back in 2009. I had a, 
I had a personal development launch and uh, the name Russell Brunson came across and I knew him, but he ClickFunnels wasn't around. He was an internet marketer. You know, he's running, we were all doing product launches. You know, you mail for me, I mail for you, mail for you, mail for me, everybody's mail for me. And then Russell bought my product. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to save that receipt from my merchant account because it, I mean, can you believe the stratospheric success with ClickFunnels? I mean, you talk about big money, big problems. I'm not so sure I would want Russell Brunson's life style or business at that level. I don't think I could handle it. That seems to be yeah. just for the 1% of the 1% of the world. I couldn't handle that, I don't think. It, I mean, having worked there, I it was very, it was, it was a, it was chaos at, at quite, quite a level in terms of just like running a thousand miles an hour. I mean, I think Russell's gift to the world is clearly his marketing genius. I mean, I think he's always going to be an amazing marketer. He's always going to have a million projects. I think it's a very different game than running a software company. Um, and you can see now all of the, he's constantly got his hands, you know, he's in Dan Kennedy and other things he's launching all the time. I mean, marketers going to be marketing and, and that is really his gift to the world. Um, I definitely think that, yeah, the ClickFunnels, the ClickFunnels, uh, software is, is a big, is a big burden to carry on your back. There's no, there's no doubt. It is. It would just, it would drive, it would just leave me awake at night. You know, it's just, I don't even know if I'd ever sleep just thinking about something going on that big, but Hey, Julie, this was amazing. I really enjoyed meeting you. I loved having you on the podcast and I really want to thank you. I want to honor your time. I just want to thank you for carving out sometime for our every day is saturday community podcast goes live all around the world it's going to live on for a long long time and i just wanted to say number one thank you i very much appreciate you showing up and being so awesome on the show today secondly how can our audience find you online where's the best place they can go all right well if you are thinking about getting online, you're thinking about an online business, Funnel Gorgeous is the place to go. So just type in Funnel Gorgeous in your browser. You're going to land on our website. We've got a whole bunch of free content. We have what's called the Offer to Impact Challenge. This is for people who don't know their genius. Those 10 questions I was talking about, Offer to Impact Challenge is right on our homepage. You can check that out. If you are listening to this podcast and you are a business owner, you are making multi-six figures, you want to scale, you want um, an expert marketer in your pocket, in your corner, you can go to julieschanel.com and there you can find more information about working with me privately one-on-one. Beautiful. Make sure you check out Julie Chanel. Uh, follow her as well. Great advice. I've been a little bit lurker stalker on her YouTube channel over the past couple of days preparing for the interview. Really great. Your YouTube shorts are really cool. I like those a lot. So whatever you're doing there, do more of those because that that's looked so natural. Like you're just hanging out. I just watched one before we jumped on this that you were talking about. Why would someone leave a comment about, I think you were saying, oh, you look good oh. today. <laughs> or you did something with your hair differently. Why'd you do that with your hair? You know? Yeah, the difference the difference between a compliment and a passive aggressive like yes. Yeah. And it's very subtle, but the but the energy is highly different. Yeah, I was that was me literally like ranting in my phone and then moving on to something else. But it grabbed me, and I'll tell you why, because I felt like I was catching somebody on a, just a, a natural moment. It didn't feel scripted. It literally felt like you hit record and you just shared that rant and you and that was it. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. And it speaks to what we were talking about, just showing up and being honest with who you are and what's going on and what your thoughts are at the time. And I think that really those types of pieces of content, look, I'm not giving you marketing advice. Okay. So don't take it that way. I'm just saying those YouTube shorts you're doing, I love them. I love yeah. Them. 
And so funny, I, I, I've been, I haven't put one up in a while and I, I struggle with consistency on YouTube because I don't really do the YouTube game. I'm more on Instagram. And now that you just said that, now I'm like, all right, I'm just, I'll keep at it. I love them. I think I I think you have a gift to be able to relate to uh, the everyday individual um, who has the exact same thought. Like, how many people feel that way? What's the difference between a passive aggressive comment and an actual compliment? My God, I like that's just so normal to fire up your phone and talk for thirty seconds about that. Yeah. You know, yeah, I loved it. Good. Well, Julie Chanel, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was so great having you on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. All right, everybody, check out Julie online. And that's a wrap for today's Everyday Saturday podcast. We'll see you on the next show. And that's a wrap. Another Everyday Saturday podcast in the books. Thanks so much for listening. Would you do your boy a favor? Would you get on iTunes or wherever you listen to the Everyday Saturday podcast and leave a rating for the show? It helps amazing people like you find the show faster. And that's what I'm looking for, amazing people like you. Hey, I'm always hanging out on the interwebs. You can check me out on Instagram, at Everyday is Saturday. Let me know you're listening to the show. Love, 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 love hearing from fans of the Everyday Saturday podcast. And one last thing, when you're ready to launch, get on my calendar, go to launchwithsam.com. You and I are going to work together to set rocket fuel to your dream. Are you ready? Let's do it. I'll see you on the next Everyday is Saturday podcast.